1: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
2: Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when
0: pests show up, so does Terminix.
1: With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com
2: to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio.
1: Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt.
2: My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know.
1: Uh, including that siren.
2: Yes, yes. That should give you. Uh, that should give you a feeling of breaking news. That should give you a feeling that what will be discussed in this week's strange news segment is only. Matters of great import. And uh, fellow conspiracy realists, as we always say at the opening of this, a lot of stuff has happened. Uh, my compatriots and I were just in Nashville, Tennessee, for a thing called Podcast Movement. Uh, we had a live panel that we are very much looking forward to sharing with you in the near future. Do stay tuned for that. Uh, we did escape it uh, relatively unscathed. Also, guys, I uh, I think I mentioned this off air. Uh, I'd like to I'd like to thank my parents for not telling my extended family that I was in Nashville because they would have tried to drag all three of us to some sort of church.
1: I A would church. like to punish them for not doing that because that would have been wonderful.
2: You miss church? <laughs> I miss <laughs> What I kind I of think, church?
1: I think Matt misses church.
0: I do.
2: Um, I, I, I miss the community.
0: You know, that's funny you say that. I, I think I've mentioned before that I was briefly going to a Baha'i faith gathering thing with my daughter because of her friends. And it did remind me uh, what the community aspect of church is and why it's kind of important and why I think it's such a draw for so many people. They get it.
1: And if Uncle Aunt and Uncle Bolin would have been there, I mean, my God, can you imagine?
2: Again, I did not specify what sort of denomination <laughs> or belief system it would be. We could talk about it out <laughs> there if you would like. Uh, yes. Yeah, there is something to be said. You know, for the power of community, people want to be some uh, part of something bigger than themselves, uh, whether they are, whether we're talking about people who just want to be more active in an HOA for some reason, whether we're talking about people who want to volunteer. At a local homeless shelter, or help uh, with elderly literacy. Uh, I think volunteering is amazing. I think everybody should do it more often. Uh, but even if you are at the tippy top of a corporate structure, you may find yourself wanting to be an agent of the greater good, and that is where I propose we begin our very first uh, story for today. You see, fellow conspiracy realist, another company has called for a ban on cigarettes. You remember cigarettes. They're the things that made you look cool in movies. (laughs) And uh, they're the reason that mascots uh, like the Marlboro Man had such a high historical turnaround uh, because they really were smoking a lot. Can you guess which company I am referring to that has issued a ban on cigarettes or called for it?
0: I feel as though it's going to be an ironic answer. Uh, at least in the Alanis Morissette uh, version of of irony, you know, where it's like the the it's the cigarette company that doesn't want you to smoke cigarettes
1: is that the deal? Yeah, it's like a spoon on your wedding day
0: or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right? rain <laughs> on yeah. your wedding day. You mm-hmm. want the spoon? That's what
2: you use to feed each other cake <laughs> or a plane crash when you have uh, finally overcome your fear of flying. Right. Exactly. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely correct, Noel. Uh, <laughs> I do know that I kind of set you guys up for that one because we all know very well. We talked a little bit about this show before we go on air. Surprise. And uh, it's true. Philip Morris International, a gigantic company in the world of commercialized tobacco, has recently said that they will stop selling Marlboro cigarettes in Britain within a decade and it additionally called on the government of the United Kingdom to ban the sale of all of its tobacco products. This is, this is kind of—I was trying to think of a good analogy. This is not a one-to-one comparison of, say, Papa John's or Domino's calling for a ban on the sale of pizza pie, uh, but it is kind of like them calling on, for a ban on the sale of cheese— Mm. Uh, because they're cutting out a very specific, defined thing. Uh, also, Big Cheese, longtime listeners, you well know, Big Cheese would never let a pizza company betray them like that. So I was thinking, what we could do is talk about a little bit about how this came to be, a little bit about what it means, and a little bit about how sincere or insincere we think this might be. To to answer these questions. We're going to have to first learn just a tad bit more about Philip Morris. It is huge. It is so huge. Uh, Right now, it's a Swiss-American company, which might surprise a lot of people. Philip Morris products are sold in over 180 countries. Just to really drive that statement home, there are less than 200 UN-recognized countries, meaning Philip Morris is in the vast majority Of countries, Uh, the most famous brand they have is Marlboro, and that's uh, when people talk about big tobacco. They're talking about Philip Morris uh, and and a couple of other similar companies. But these guys are a giant, or this entity is. A giant. A
0: lot of that has to do with the fact that they're so old, too, right? They're just like, they're like one of the first players in the game. They've been around forever.
2: Yeah, it's funny because I, like a lot of other people, hopefully thought Philip Morris was a U.S. company just because here in Atlanta, we live so close to historical tobacco country, but Philip Morris started in London in 1847 yep. with a tobacconist named Philip Morris and later his son established uh, the, what what would become the company we know today. So, first off, this gets a lot of headlines. It's not, a, it's not a conspiracy to say that smoking tobacco is harmful for you, and a lot of people have successfully quit, a lot of people quit and picked it up, a lot of people consider themselves social smokers, et cetera, et cetera, and for decades, for decades, uh, companies like Philip Morris Uh, engaged in some pretty insidious stuff up to and including conspiracy to keep people puffing. So if you hear this news, you might be at first initially excited. It sounds like overall a good thing, right? Uh, This company appears to be going against its financial bottom line to help people have a better quality of life. However, uh, hopefully, fellow conspiracy realist, uh, we all know that you have to dig in when you see feel-good announcements like this from any corporation. Why just the UK? Hmm? Why just that out of 180 countries? Well, it's because the business probably wasn't doing that well in the United Kingdom. Smoker numbers are plunging there, uh, and there have been an increase, increasingly restrictive laws. Like, if you ever... You don't have to be a smoker to enjoy this, but if you ever want to learn a little bit more about how other governments treat smoking, from like nanny state to laissez faire, just look at the laws uh, that govern how cigarettes can be packaged. In the UK, they have to be sold in plain packaging. In some other countries, uh, every pack of cigarettes you buy uh, has like a graphic depiction of ruined lungs. Uh, In South Korea, this is one of my favorite examples, you can see this. not to get too like filmy about it, but you can see a three shot of these two parents arguing, and then a little kid who's like waist high looking up at them and trying not to cough as the smoke inundates their their little face. That's what you look at every time you smoke a cigarette in uh, South Korea. So, so the push that we're reaching a Gladwell-esque tipping point, probably with tobacco that you smoke, and already investors have started taking tobacco out of their portfolios. Uh, Some international investment companies have said, hey, our portfolio is gonna go with a tobacco-free policy, and there was something interesting. The CEO of Philip Morris today, a guy named Jacek Olchak, said to The Telegraph that the UK government should treat cigarettes like gasoline-powered cars. And gas-powered cars are due to be banned in that country, or the sale of them, uh, starting in 2030. So Philip Morris itself, in a statement, very recently said, it can see a world without cigarettes. Before, before I unfold some revelations here, I want to check in with you guys. What do you think? Uh, the up and up?
0: Well, I mean, they own, what, views, right? They're like snooze. Tobacco alternatives. I
1: don't know about views. Do they own views? I know they own Vive and a couple other like tobacco-less or smokeless tobacco alternatives.
0: Com- non combustible, I believe, is the term that they're, that's used. Okay, Ooh. yeah.
1: Here they call them uh, e vapor products and uh, what whatever the other one was. I IQOS Vive. I don't even know how to say it. <laughs> but yeah, I know for sure. Philip Morris as a company is investing pretty heavily in like the future of nicotine that mm. isn't in smoke. At least that's what it seems like.
2: Yes, yeah, the company wants to generate more than 50% of their net revenue from what they call smoke-free products. Got it. And they they want to do this by 2025, so get 5 years ahead of that UK ban, which will probably be followed by by other bans in other countries, although anybody who's traveled to Europe uh, probably has noticed that uh, rates of tobacco smoking are already pretty high, you know, in different countries, like in France, et cetera. And this, this is interesting to me because it looks like they're getting some great press. Uh, but we have to remember this is from an industry that actively conspired to hide the potential health hazards of smoking for a long time. And they also, in 2017, they established something that they called Foundation for a Smoke-Free World, and this foundation, remember what we said about cutesy, innocuous names, right? Names that sound like you can agree with it as long as you don't understand what it's about and who funds it. This foundation has been in a lot of trouble, and a lot of controversy since its inception because it claims to be independent, uh, but... Everybody from the World Health Organization to probably your friends on Reddit are pointing out the massive conflicts of interest with a tobacco company you know, funding this health foundation. Uh, the American Cancer Association, or ACS, even said, quote, this attempt by Philip Morris International to paint itself as a public health partner is manipulative and dangerous. Uh, so <laughs> they keep going. You can read their statement in full. But I started wondering, you know, what's what's the long play here? Because corporations, as we discussed in our two-part series on lobbying, they don't have a conscience. They are not meant to. That's not what they're. That's not part of their programming. Uh, corporations also don't have an amygdala, so they can't really experience fear. They can experience self-preservation, right? And this this is obviously a self-preservation move, but to what? And I looked at some other things and I looked at some things that are happening as we're recording. They're not just trying to step away from cigarettes. This is as tempting as it is to say like, wow, this is like, you know, Exxon saying they're not going to do fossil fuels anymore. It's Mm -hmm. not quite the same thing because at the same time they're doing this, Philip Morris is investing in medical technology that is, you can make a very solid argument that it is taking advantage of the medical situations this company has created. Like just recently, again, the same time, that official statement hit headlines like end of July, right? And we're recording August 9th. August 8th, Sunday, Philip Morris got in the news because they have been trying to buy ownership of uh, medical technology that assists with people who have trouble breathing or suffer from conditions that could quite possibly be related to smoking. This is a, a very strange form of integration, isn't it? From stem to stern, it's kind of like a um, it's kind of like a company that makes lard investing in you know a proven diet program. Uh, Philip Morris raised its bid to buy a company named Vectura. Vectura is something that a lot of us may not have heard of. They make drugs to treat respiratory illnesses. Full stop, that's wow. what they did. They're gonna pay a billion pounds, or that's what they're trying to pay, uh, to take ownership of this, and just that move already sent some financial waves around. So, With all this in mind, that's the rough lay of the land. We could do a whole episode on big tobacco. It's weird that we haven't yet. I have to ask, what do you think is the ultimate play here? I would assume it's self-preservation. And B, do you think it will work?
1: I'll tell you exactly what it is. I know. I can see through the matrix right now, you guys. (laughs) Bear with me. So the new products that they're promoting – at least Philip Morris International, not Philip Morris U.S., which is Marlboro. This is Philip Morris International. Well, it's also Altria, right? Altria, yeah. Altria is like the mothership, and yes. then Philip Morris International is over there, and then the one in the U.S.A. is the Marlboro. Marl, Marl Marlboro? You're nailing like,
2: it, man. Keep going.
1: Okay, so so the new products, the one, the IQOS, or whatever, IQOS, it's a tobacco heating product where you literally right. shove a cigarette into it and it heats it up to where you're just getting the vapors from it instead of actually burning the tobacco. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else can you put into something like that and smoke it guys?
2: Uh, op- Opium sage, marijuana,
1: marijuana. marijuana. Is it <laughs> talking about getting 50's. into
2: marijuana? Of course. Why wouldn't you? you I have infrastructure?
1: Yeah. Altria, this massive tobacco company. Why would they not start growing just metric tons of cannabis and selling it with their products that just heat it up the way, you know, there are tons of vapes out there that people have been using for years specifically with cannabis that do that exact same thing. The same thing with their Vive or whatever they call it, where it's just got the, you know, the liquid nicotine do the same thing with the liquid cannabis that you can get right now, all over the place in all these States in the U S and across wherever they're sold legally and illegally. Dude. Yeah. That's exactly what they see in the future. They see weed.
2: Yeah, and there's something else that happened. Uh, they also just bought an inhaled drug specialist company named OT Topic, OTI Topic, mm-hmm. that has been successful. Uh, health charities are up in arms because Vectra makes asthma inhalers in addition to in addition to drugs. And with this, I propose that we pause for a word from our sponsors, uh, who are probably not Philip Morris after I just brought this story in, uh, and we'll return uh, with more strange news. But before we do, I would personally love to hear from people who are quitting smoking or working to quit smoking, and uh, people who are currently smokers. You know, there's no judgment on our end here, uh, but I would love to hear what your experience is and what your take is on Philip Morris's. Activities: What do you think is at play? com and calls directly 1833stdwYtK, uh, and we will be right back as long as big tobacco doesn't get us.
3: Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
0: and we're back with more strange news this one's a doozy if any uh uh armchair internet sleuths out there a real good opportunity here to make some cash off of a hardcore right-wing website uh, the website in question is called The Gateway Pundit, um, you know, and they've got like headlines like Marxist Oregon governor signs law allowing students to graduate without proof they can read, write or do math. Uh, would love to dig in, hear more about that. Uh, but that, that's, you know, the vibe of, of the site in general. We're not doing any uh, no political judgment here, um, but this is definitely One of these sites that just borderlines on propaganda, like it's just so over the top that I I have a hard time taking anything on it particularly seriously, Uh, whatever my political leanings might be. But uh, this site has uh, put its money where its mouth is uh, in an interesting way, specifically as pertains to the perceived election fraud that many are still discussing uh, or up in arms about, um, you know, in terms of uh, the Trump uh, campaign losing to the Biden now administration. Um, And this website, the Gateway Pundit, who claimed that they report the truth and leave the Russia collusion fairy tale to the conspiracy media. That's their literal tagline. Uh, That's that's a doozy. Um, They are offering to pay $10,000 to anyone who can successfully, you know, on their terms, debunk uh, the notion that the election was stolen, and they're leaning heavily on a theory that they refer to as drop and roll. Uh, it's not stop drop and roll, mind you. It's just just drop and roll. Um, and what drop and roll refers to is this idea that a number of states, uh, when Trump was winning the count. On election night, suddenly, this is a quote from the creator of the website, uh, Jim and Joe Hoft, the creators, uh, suddenly, quote, tens of thousands of unexplained votes came pouring in. They go on to claim that there are ratios represented that are impossible and don't make any sense. Uh, they've got some examples for Georgia saying President Trump was up by 57% to Biden's 42%. Here's the drop. Uh, then dr- dumps of unexplained ballots given to Biden four hours until Joe Biden takes the lead. And the roll is then for the next 53 batches of votes counted, every single vote batch had exactly 5005 to forty nine point nine five percent victory margin for Biden, these that's ratios. Not
2: exactly, just interjecting, that's not exactly
0: precisely. Uh, there's a lot of false equivalencies um, made uh, in, in in these claims. They claim these ratios are impossible. Um, so again, we're not. Ta- we're, I'm not. I'm less concerned about the actual political side of any of this, and more just the notion of someone saying will pay you what would be a quite meaningful number to most most anyone uh if you can debunk something that is inherently undebunkable because it's already based in kind of fatuous uh math and you know what i mean like it's clearly a bit of a a bait and switch or i don't know exactly what you want to call it but um i wanted to just throw it to you guys and see what you think this is Is it just a publicity stunt? Like, what would the barrier to success be on the part of these folks to, quote-unquote, debunking this?
2: Oh, yeah. So uh, I see a couple possibilities. That's a great question. Uh, First, this is clearly being offered because uh, they will not consider it debunked uh, if you look at the way that they're handling fact-checking in general. Uh, This is a moving goalpost argument. Uh, So what what that means is that if you want the 10K, uh, you will probably say, okay, here are these basic things I understand. And then they'll say something like, well, your sources are bad. Right. Or they'll say something like, well, the real issue is this and you have to debunk this to do that uh, or to, you know, win your award. So there's not really going to be a way to prove this because they're suffering from confirmation bias, I would argue. Uh, they've started with a conclusion, uh, and anything that runs counter to that conclusion will be cognitively deprioritized. Perhaps I'm wrong. Perhaps it is a good-faith argument, and perhaps they simply have not looked into all the available sources. Um, but that's—maybe I'm being cynical, fellow conspiracy realist. but but that's my assumption. It's kind of like—this might be a weird comparison, but in, in a way, it's similar— to the famous, uh, famous quote-unquote challenge from James Randi, uh, perhaps one of the most uh, well-known skeptics, hardcore skeptics of the modern era. He offered, I believe it was a million dollars to anyone who could prove to him anything that he considered supernatural. Notice, he considered supernatural. And he right. only made this offer because he was convinced that no one would reach uh, his barrier. Of of proof, and sometimes people react adversely to Randy. But one thing that Randy and his organization had in common with the Gateway Pundit is that they are only making this offer because they are convinced that they will never have to pay that money. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm seeing.
1: You can read a lot about the outlet over thegatewaypundit dot com slash about. I think that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the the article in the
0: Washington Post uh, where, where I found this story um, by uh, Philip Bump, which is a great name, um, he puts it this way, and I really appreciate this. He says, this is unfalsifiable. If you say to this person, there were a lot of absentee ballots because of the pandemic, and they say, oh, but we're there, you just sort of have to shrug. <laughs> okay, man. And it's true. And it's the kind of thing we've been talking about even with, like, like cult deprogramming, or, or how do you talk someone off the ledge who has gone down this QAnon rabbit hole or any other kind of, you know, very ideologically driven um, kind of groupthink type situation? Uh, it's very difficult. It's it's very difficult to do it without either triggering that person and making them feel like you think they're stupid um, or just making them angry or you getting angry. And all you can really do is just shrug and walk away because you're not speaking the same language, which is a language that's based in, you know, facts and and reality. Hmm. I don't know, man. I'm not trying to make a big soapbox thing here at all about any political stuff. I just think we talked about this and i think it'll 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 be a good one to have in the feed on our in our uh, panel that we did at podcast movement which was about the idea of how do you Separate conspiracies, actual conspiracies from these, you know, mislabeled conspiracy theories. And then there are things like this that are clearly what the term conspiracy theory was meant to label. And it's a term that kind of like, in some ways, discredits the thing. But it also, within that conspiracy theory, there are little nuggets of truth. But you got stuff like this that's just, it's like throwing all these tables and data and things that, and then using them in just completely misleading ways. They just don't make any mm-hmm. sense and don't really line up with any kind of provable reality. So I I don't know.
2: Yeah, that's something that I I appreciate. And I I try to highlight this whenever whenever I'm in conversation uh, with <clears throat> with people who have serious in good faith questions or concerns about the official narrative of the ongoing pandemic. Uh, first, if someone is making an argument or asking a question in bad faith. They don't. That's right. I, I want to be very clear here, folks. They don't give a shit what you say. They're not listening to you. And it's a trap to waste your time. If you want to talk about some genuine COVID conspiracies, why don't we talk about the idea of information warfare and the fact that forces in Russia and forces in China have been pushing COVID uh, conspiracies, even easily debunked ones across social media under names that sound authoritative but have not a whiff of credibility. Be very, very careful with that. Uh, Also, my favorite, you guys know who bought washington post right it's nash holdings llc you know who owns that jeff bezos these are the kind of things people should be talking about but i i completely agree with you all like this is not and you know i am glad to engage in a conversation or a dialogue about anything if i think it's in good faith in good i'm faith. grateful yeah i'm grateful for everybody who wrote to us and said Hey, I have some serious questions. There's some really messed up stuff going on. There's some contradictory information that I'm getting. The CDC seems to change its mind pretty often. What do I do? What would you do? Those are great questions. And there is nothing wrong with asking questions. This is one of the greatest things the human species is able to do. And I applaud it. Every time I hear it, again, in good faith. This does not seem to be that. This seems at best a uh, circuitous way to get attention or a circuitous way to maybe convince people to buy into whatever Russia told these people to repeat. And oh, I know wow. that might sound harsh. And again, I am I think the truth is more important than the fuzzy feeling of uh, validation.
1: The only thing I would want to add to that, Ben, because I do agree with you on almost everything there. I'm looking at that about page on their website. Mm-hmm. And like many of these news outlets that have kind of been created over the past I would say probably two decades, even maybe three decades cuz I would include Fox News in here as one of them. Uh news outlets that have been generated as a response to a perceived liberal bias within the the news outlets that exist, the the large ones, right? So I think for a lot of people, including perhaps the person who wrote this, the person who's putting this out, I would say they very likely believe very much that they're correct in their assertions. Sure. And yeah. I, I think they would say they're doing it in good faith, right? Or they believe mm-hmm. they're doing it in good faith, which is a really tough thing to even grapple with because there's so many factions and camps now that believe they're, they are right or on the right side of the argument, and it's very difficult to bridge that gap. And I love that you're want that you at least open to it. And we did talk about that in the panel. I do think that's hopefully where everybody listening to this right now wants to be. Uh, we want to come to the table with that Socratic method and at least discuss. And in this case, I also think you're right in that this is a way to get attention on a growing news outlet that isn't quite where it wants to be yet.
2: They're pretty big. They got uh, they got like a million hits a day during the 2016 presidential campaign, a million unique users. Um, then I so, retract
1: that statement. No, oh, my no, goodness. But,
2: <laughs> but a million's not a million's not enough if you want to reach all seven point eight something billion people. That's that right. True. That's
0: right. I mean, you know, and I would argue I think we're all close to aligned on this, but I don't know that this is in good faith. I think this is trollish behavior in many ways. Um, I think they believe something along the lines of what they're putting out there. But I, I just don't. I feel like they're just trying to muddy the waters in a way that discredits their enemies as opposed to actually, quote unquote, truth telling. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's easy to do because, it's like you said, you can flip the script pretty quickly. If someone calls you on one thing, then you just kind of divert the conversation to this other thing that then they must prove uh, to be true as well. I've seen it. It's a rhetorical power move. If you're talking to somebody that you disagree with and you question them on something, then they question you on, well, did you do you know this thing about this other tangentially related thing? Because if you don't, then you don't know what the hell you're talking about about the other thing, and it just becomes this, like, you know, musical chairs this like factual musical chairs that is impossible to win so ultimately you will just get tired of it and walk away
2: and i i really love uh the point you made matt where we're talking about the sincerity or self-perception of of people jim hoft is the editor uh he got kicked out of CPAC, by the way um because uh he because of his beliefs regarding mass shootings in the u.s uh so I, I believe there is sincerity, as far as I can tell, on the part of uh, the the authors here, on the part of the editors. Uh, but yeah, moving the goalpost is what's called an informal fallacy in debate or in the art of rhetoric, which is very much an art, not a science. Don't be fooled. And this, this is the idea, like, Noel, you're describing also whataboutism, where you say something like, hey, I don't think the guy who drives that ice cream van should you know, throw poop at people. And you're like, yeah, well, what about uh, what about people who uh, knock over porta-potties, fight the real enemy? Shout out to Sinead O'Connor, et cetera. Like, those are very clever ways of changing a conversation into a different conversation when the facts are not on your side. And this is not, again, this is not necessarily something insidious that people do. The human brain is hardwired to want to be right. It exists in a constant state of sunk cost fallacy. I I would say if we're being, if we're ascribing the most sincere motives to this challenge, then what we're seeing is a doubling down of confidence. Just saying, we know we're right, we know we are right, and we have such certitude about this that we're gonna put our money where our blog is. That's what's happening. And, And that's not necessarily bad, right? People do that, it's just in this case, it's incorrect what they perceive as facts or not. It's facts. like one of those claw machines,
0: you know, it's like you, uh, you can maybe get your claw around the the stuffed animal that you want, but the moment you try to lift it up, that thing is going to loosen and it drops right back out of your, out of your reach. It's really kind of like a fool's errand. Um, Only
1: nine out of 10 times or however many the machine is set for. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Cause it is set. Uh,
0: and so is this, uh, but it's an interesting, yeah, I don't know, it's worth conversation. It's certainly something that, uh, i haven't quite seen before in this exact way
2: Noel, are you gonna do
0: it you gonna no. go for the
1: 10k
2: no i, I don't want to talk to these people <laughs> uh well, <laughs> i got, I, I, got, I, I, got I
0: got other stuff to do um
1: <laughs> ben i've seen i think you could do it
0: ben, ben you could do it you're a master of this kind of stuff if anyone can do it it would be you
2: um, oh we'll use a fake name i'll go in as max powers astronaut with a secret my go-to aka that'll make it look legit right uh Yeah, I don't know. Let's give it let's give it a try. And I'd love to hear if somebody does engage and to see if they win. You know, Uh, if you do win, take us out to Dave and Buster's.
0: (laughs) Well, before we do that, we have to take another ad break, hopefully from Dave and Buster's. We would only be so lucky. And then we'll be back with one more strange news.
3: Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. Live Nation
1: presents
2: Concert Week.
1: From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows.
2: That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage. Alanis Morissette. Cage the Elephant. Celeste Barber. Dirks Bentley. Janet Jackson. Megan Trainer. Peso Pluma. Sean Paul. Some
0: forty-one and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just
2: When you think about the future, what kind of
0: technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart
1: of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel.
2: Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI.
0: There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better.
1: In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while
2: pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, on the
0: iHeartRadio app, Apple
1: Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, and we are jumping over to this fantastic Business Insider article, that's just, it's, it's positive, guys. We're going to end this thing on a positive note. Like yeah. Here's the headline. A 2,000-year-old fast food joint discovered by archaeologists in Pompeii will open to tourists this summer. Oh, thank goodness. Finally. Yes. Do, you ha- do you know how hard it is to find food in Pompeii when you're going around there looking all <laughs> at all the historic?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it was pretty, <laughs> honestly, dude, it was, it was a pretty hopping spot before the volcano you know what i mean like it was you had a thriving market you could get all sorts of snacks um yes i haven't been recently but i heard it's a very different vibe now <laughs> you do they still there have a, couple a thousand
0: <laughs> do, do they still have the like mummified remains of the people frozen in horror kind of surrounding the
1: yeah (laughs) uh, yes yeah before we get away with ourselves i know this we're joking here everybody it's not an actual working you're going to go there and order fast food at the fast food joint it is the equivalent of a modern fast food joint from that era uh it's really interesting you can look at pictures of it online again this is a business insider article there was a telegraph article that i believe was the originating one but i didn't want to sign in or whatever had to do with that paywall. So I'm getting giving it to you from here. So you don't have to do that either, Uh, but you can see pictures of it and it really does look like the front of any little food stand or something that you might encounter probably outside. uh, If you're walking around New York or another large city, Uh, it's, it's like these beautiful painted frescoes on the front of it. And what looks like just kind of holes in almost a counter where food was served from. It's really, really interesting. pictures of chickens on there. Right.
0: Uh, I I remember with a story they discovered it initially, we maybe talked about it on ridiculous history or maybe another strange news episode, but the, the, the latest is they're making it into like a, you can visit it and tour it and stuff.
1: Yes. Yes. It's going to be open on August 12th, at least according to the telegraph. Cool. Uh, And it's known as the thermopolium thermopolium Mm -hmm. and, that means hot drink counter. Ooh, fun. It's like a cafe, right? <laughs> or a, a, what, a coffee shop? But it's, it's just really interesting stuff. And it's weird to think that 2000 years ago, humans were doing many of the same things that we do. And society really doesn't look that different over time. The technology improves a bit, which changes it moderately, but really everybody is living, working, eating and a place that sells food, any kind of restaurant like that is going to exist throughout time, whether, whether, right, whether it's a tavern or this little food place. And the whole reason why we're talking about this guys is because something else happened. Some news broke uh, over the past week while we were gone. Uh, It's a report from the intergovernmental panel on climate change or the IPOC. And it's the first time that they've really crunched the numbers as an organization in, oh, seven, eight years, I think. I think 2013 was the last time they did a real accounting of, hey, where are we compared to the goals that we set at the Paris? You know, well, actually, that was before the Paris Climate Accords. So that was the Paris Agreement was 2015. So this is two years prior to that. They're going back again and saying, hey, where are we? And I'm going to tell you the headline from the BBC article that I read for this. Climate change. IPCC report is, quote, code red for humanity. It is pretty grim. Got to be honest with you. It feels like that show, was it the newsroom? I think it was the newsroom, the show that had on a deputy from, from, I don't know where it was from. I remember the scene clearly. It's a it's a deputy from the EPA or somebody like that saying, yeah, climate change, like humanity is messed up. The a person has already been born that's going to die due to catastrophic failure of the planet or something oh, like yes.
2: that. Oh, yeah.
1: So we've been talking about this for a long time just to see the raw numbers, to see the reporting from highly respected scientists, experts in their fields saying, guys, if we don't act yesterday, as in a long time ago, w- the oceans are going to be so high. They're calculating a rise of two meters. Like the ocean will rise two meters by the end of this century, um, and possibly a five-meter rise by 2150. And as I'm reading this article, as I'm thinking about that possible future, you know, obviously I'm I'm biased here. I'm thinking about my son and whatever. Legacy down the line if he has children, sure. And and you know it doesn't mean I'm not thinking about everybody else. It's just that's where my that's where my focus is. Um, I'm imagining you guys in 2,000 years from now, 2,000 years. Well, let's say let's say 4021. I'm imagining a team of automated submersibles that are going out and they discover an ancient thing that they're not really sure what to call it. It seems to be some kind of food generating. Uh, <laughs> store it seems to have the word applebee's on it and it's just off the coast of colorado and uh they're trying to figure out what it was and what it was used for <laughs> but it's now going to be open to the public after they bring it back to the surface no that's 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 what i'm seeing in my mind right now of uh humanity after the great flood, I
2: guess. It's not unfounded. You know, if you're, if you're a fan of uh, speculative fiction, which is some of the best fiction in the world, I guess you could also argue all fiction is speculative, but whatever different show. Well, well uh,
1: in this case, it's speculative
2: nonfiction, right? right? It's speculative, <laughs> soon to be nonfiction, <laughs> but it reminds me of a great, a great novel called a canticle for Leibowitz, which yeah. I highly recommend. Uh, also, you know uh Matt you're you're spot on this is what's the what's the name of that Drake album? If you're reading this, it's too late. That's what they should have called this report it is it is too late. Uh, there are ways to mitigate the pattern, but there are no longer ways to stop it and the you can go two ways about this. you can say it's everybody's fault. Which is uh, misleading. Or you can say it's nobody's one fault, which is a little, still a little misleading, but a little more accurate. I mean, think about it. It's the prisoner's dilemma writ large across a, a globe, right? If one company does something that would be, uh, forget that. If one country did everything it could. It might lose out, especially with some of the bigger countries like the U.S., like China, right? And this, I would argue, was stymied the possibility to get a little bit ahead of the terrible things on the way, which again, they are unstoppable. If you were in the U.S., I would start looking toward inland uh, properties next to sources of potable water. Uh, Further north, the better. So Great Lakes is about to skyrocket in terms of real estate in the coming decades, not centuries, decades. So what we have to think about is like this progress or the possibility of fixing this problem or mitigating it was tremendously stymied by the Herculean effort that corporations put into passing the blame on you as an individual. It doesn't matter what you consider your politics to be. It does not matter what you think about the thought-terminity cliches that were thrown around, like climate change. It's happening, it's on the way, it's coming to a town near you, uh, like some apocalyptic world tour that happens in multiple places at once, and the corporations could have done more, but they went for short-term gains as a trade-off for long-term expenses, and the people in charge of those corporations aren't going to be alive, or they're not going to be worried when the real problems hit the fan. So maybe Pompeii is a lesson, you know? Maybe we're getting a preview of what a Chipotle will look like 2,000 years from now. Mm, right? That sounds It'll good. Same buckets.
1: Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's the buckets. Yep. <laughs> or a Ruby Tuesday in their cellar bar. So I, I, I actually only eat food <laughs> out of
0: buckets. It's uh, my preferred <laughs> delivery mechanism.
1: Man, <laughs> the, oh, that's why KFC is so great, mm-hmm. you guys. The mm-hmm. buckets. Good for um, you, too. This is just what I was thinking, you guys, the they in this situation of as in stuff they don't want you to know is literally anyone, any entity that wields power and influence within the global economy, right? Because you like you said, Ben, it's been everybody and the whole like, don't drink out of straws, drive an all electric vehicle. All that doesn't really amount to much at all, because I mean. The stuff they don't want you to know is that everything has to change. And it is it is one giant machine that we're all cogs within, right? And Ooh. every one of these companies is a different, you know, piece, of uh, a large component of that machine. So when you think about what the scientists are saying in this report, like, we have to stop coal. No matter what, like, one of the major things we have to do is stop coal production, stop using coal to generate energy. Yeah. And... And if you're going to actually do it, you say, yeah, OK, let's do it. Let's do it uh, next week. Uh-huh. All the individual people that work or are in some way associated with one of these plants, their families or the, you know, the actual acquiring of coal in mines, uh, anybody that works in the towns where that's the primary source of income. Uh, I mean, so that's one. Those will be the initial casualties, Right. Sure. But then where does the rest of that power come from because uh coal provides a lot of power at least in the United States and several other places across the world where do you get that from then it it just becomes this massive problem with the casualties growing and growing but if we don't do something the casualties are magnified you know several yeah several times and that's literally just like that one thing is just the tip of this giant melting iceberg that we're all, that we all find ourselves in because <laughs> you, then you have to hit meat manufacturing and industrial fishing or whatever you want to call that. Uh, just the shipping industry in general of sending goods all across the oceans, across the continents, the cars that we drive, the computer servers and processing facilities, all the damn lights everywhere. That's I mean, that's <laughs> I didn't mean to say like that, but your air conditioner, my refrigerator, it's yeah. like, y'all, I'm scared and you I just want to go tape a, I I just want to take a nap.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you, you should be. Well, you can nap in a cool place, man. the uh, the because we're going to see a feedback loop. It's already happening as those global temperatures rise. More people will rely on power hungry technology to stay alive. So air conditioning use will skyrocket at the same time sources of power. I don't know. I have like two big thoughts about this without Ted talking, hopefully not too late. One, there's a very good argument that the human race overall is a heist, a heist film on planet Earth, you know, or uh, like a con, a long con on the planet because planet Earth will be probably okay. Very much does not need humans. Uh, We, like, if you look at what has happened in other great extinction events if this reaches great extinction level um what you see is that some form of life has survived uh, the human as an inherently self-interested organism uh that's not good news for the human but it is i guess good news for the very rare thing the only like known source of proven life in the observable universe I, I just, the report that people are talking about, though, this is very important. They outline, if you read the actual report, best case scenarios. Those are not going to happen. You can read them for fun. Worst case scenarios, which are also probably not going to happen. What's going to happen is a slow descent, a world that ends not with a bang, but with a whimper, and we got to give space just to say this. Imagine if you were a country, a developing country. You have been victimized by great powers for a lot of your history. And now you're undergoing something like your own industrial revolution. And the people who made the world the way it is now are telling you that the rules have changed. They are speaking of circling back, moving the goalpost for you.
1: I do great, great callback. I've been, I'll tell you my thoughts. Yes. And it worries me. And it even scared. I'm afraid to say this on a podcast, seriously, because I, I don't Ooh. like what it means. And I don't, I don't like that I think it. Mm. Um, I don't think the problem is the humans. That's my dog. See, the problem's the dogs. Mm. That I sounds knew it. Like I that's knew it. the dog equivalent
2: <laughs> of snapping fingers at an open mic. All right. Yeah. So, I
1: don't think the problem is the humans. Mm. I think it's capitalism. I'm serious. I think capitalism is the problem. And that really does scare me because it's – everything that i've known i don't know if i'm just susceptible to whatever propaganda has been fed to me you know ever since i was born but it does feel like this need to always grow a business to always grow a right. customer base there's no cap there's no limit it's just like insatiable uh it, by design cuz i think if you took that away i think humans might be okay and be able to live but it doesn't mean that one of the other you know major ways of doing business and, and running an economy would be better, necessarily. It's just, I think that one in particular is dangerous.
2: Well, capital first, uh, humans weren't evolved for there to be this many. That's just true. Uh, but, but secondly, yeah, we're talking about organization of complex systems if we want to be soulless about it. If you think of capitalism as a concept, it is only an ideology. And an ideology uh, after a certain after a certain threshold of zealotry becomes inherently dangerous, and so I, I completely agree. and that leads to the second thing that I thought I was racking my brain. I was like how do you how do you get the people with the influence to make a difference in this? How do you get them to listen? Because I am sure I am not the only living thing that has ever felt a little bit irritated when I hear a tremendously wealthy human say something like, well, you know, the difference starts at home. I eat a plant-based diet, my car is entirely electric. You know, like that's, there's a privilege to that. Like a lot of people in the world would probably be fine with being vegans if it were easy and not expensive, right? And when I say expensive, before anybody sends the email, I mean in terms of time and accessibility. Food deserts are a real thing, right? Crushing populations and food insecurity are real things. So it's, it's very um, self-unaware when people uh, who are at the top of the current global human hierarchy is very unaware when they say, well, why don't we all just individually tr- do better? A lot of people literally cannot afford to because of this ideology. Capitalism, not for nothing, is often described as the least crappy system. Right. That's basically how it's described. It's not inaccurate, but here's my pitch for anybody who does have those positions. Like, let's, if you're listening and you're in charge of a big multinational corporation or you're a world leader or something, who somehow has enough free time to listen to this show, um, think about it this way. If, you, even if you don't care about those billions of people living now and born in the future whose lives are going to suck, then maybe you'll care about this. Climate change will destroy the economy. On a global level, there will be a little stopgap, sure. Uh, in the far extreme cases, yeah, there will be a little a little bunker quite wealthy people can live in with other quite wealthy people.
1: And Nestle will run all of them because they'll have all yeah. the water.
2: And they'll have a terrible history of getting along because they're not used to having to cooperate. Uh, and when climate destroys the ideology, when climate destroys. The economy. That means no more profits. And I think that's a way to frame it, which is just as accurate as saying that it will hurt a lot of innocent people. Uh, but maybe, maybe <laughs> hurt, hurting a lot of innocent shareholders will tip the scale. And I'm, I, I'm not joking.
1: I know, I know I, you're not joking, but I had a vision of this person you're talking to listening to the show just going, All right, we've got to keep. We got to keep the environment just healthy enough that the profits could keep rolling in <laughs> <Well to burn. laughs> while I hang out in the stars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, do, do you uh, think it's active like that, though? Do you really think that there are folks at the top that actively just don't care or feel that they're no, insulated? From it's
1: it? not that they don't care. It's just in order for this to actually happen, they would have to blow up their businesses to a large extent just to stop all, a lot of the manufacturing, a lot of the shipping, a lot of, like all of these things would have to cease. And, you know, when you pull the brakes on something like that, even if it's a slow downturn to like lowered levels of manufacturing or whatever it's going to be, it's not easy. And you end up, you know, it's a bad PR move. Mm -hmm. You lose profits. So your company might go bust or you might just get acquired by some other large company that then reverses what you're doing.
0: Well, let's take it back to the first story about Philip Morris trying, you know, making the stand on outlawing cigarettes. Yeah. But they have another agenda behind it, clearly. I mean, whatever. Yeah. You can you can say it's some sort of uh benevolent thing they're doing for the environment, people's health, but actually, even if it is that, they wouldn't be doing it if they didn't already have another plan in place. So, maybe the things aren't mutually exclusive, but by and large, I think you're right. The uh capitalism forces those in charge to actively uh, ignore or dilute themselves about
2: the harm that they're doing. Dunbar's number has entered the chat. Oh, sh- uh, like, Where's this, Putin? I, I, yeah, all right. I agree. I agree with you guys. This, I mean, this is, please note, folks, that we are outlining problems, but we are not really proposing solutions. No, uh, there, there Do are you other, have any? Yeah, there are other <laughs> systems Send that, them haven't, to us. Yeah, that haven't worked. Um, but we want to hear your take. We want to hear your solutions because uh, the the world definitely needs them. And I I hope I didn't blow up the housing market near the Great Lakes, but I'm sure it's already been going through the roof like everything else, and it will continue to do so. But what do you think? Do you think that you can get $10,000 for debunking the statements that uh, people have made about the election? Do you think that Philip Morris is... Totally on the up and up.
1: Or are they just going to be the biggest weed sellers in the next <laughs> right.
2: 10 years? And uh, what, if any, are your plans for you, uh, for your children, for those who come after us uh, that we will never meet uh, for, for adjusting to what will become a new and likely terrifying normal? We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we try to make it easy to find us on the Internet, as long as that's still a thing.
0: That's right. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube at the handle conspiracy stuff. If you go on Instagram, you can find us at conspiracy stuff show. Uh, you can find uh, some of us uh, as individuals on the social media. I am at how now
2: Noel Brown. I think Ben, you got, you got some handles, right? I do. Here too, two. I'm comfortable disclosing on air. I'm at Ben Bullen, B-O-W-L-I-N on Instagram. I'm at Ben Bullen H-S-W, On Twitter. Uh, Do tune in, folks, if you would like to see uh, some adventures. I am uh, going to be recording as normal with our Awesome Stuff They Don't Want You to Know crew, uh, but maybe from a different location for a bit. I'll be hoping to be homeward bound sooner rather than later, but we'll see where the chips fall, If you're already on the internet, go check out our YouTube page where you can see clips of us gesturing at each other over a Zoom call, like so. Matt's not going to do it. Matt, you, this you, is okay. you guys. Business.
1: You guys are going to let me plug my socials.
2: You Some said of that we've talked about it. You never do. You never. I, want I do.
1: Find me oh. on Instagram. All right. At good moms underscore bad choices. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Love that account. Love that That's account. a great <laughs> one. That's a great one. Uh, so. I apologize, Matt. Uh, I apologize 98% wholeheartedly. Okay, thank you. For, for not pointing <laughs> out. He does some good work, folks. Do check out his Instagram. Um, uh, don't forget you, about his other account, The Gateway Drug Pundit. Uh, yeah,
1: that's, that's not mine. No, uh, That's my not mistake. my mistake. My the mistake. My other mistake. one, though, find me there for sure.
2: Or, uh, or you can find him. I think the MySpace is still uh, Hot Sauce Lover. <laughs> yeah probably l o b a be very mm-hmm. careful yeah <laughs> uh, and if you if you are bored of the internet and you say i am more of a verbal communicator but do I have a story to tell, then we have the perfect setup for you. You can call us anytime, as long as you're by a phone line. 1-833-STD-WYTK. 3 minutes. Those minutes are yours. Give yourself a sick nickname. Uh, the only one that we consider taking is Max Powers, astronaut with a secret. Let us know what's on your mind. Most importantly, two things. Let us know if we can use your name and or voice on the air and... If you have a story that is more than three minutes, don't feel like you have to call five times in a row. Don't censor yourself. Write the story out. Give us those links. Give us those photographs. We love to see them. We read every email we get. You can write to us directly at our good old-fashioned email address, where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com $25 each.
1: Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now.
0: That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now.